Hi, this is Bruce in the UK, and I'm full of gaming and BS. Welcome to Gaming and BS. <clears throat> Excuse me, a podcast about tabletop RPGs, other miscellaneous topics of geekery. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. Welcome to the show if you're new. Glad to have you on board. Welcome to episode 104, where we're going to be doing the RPG a day down the list. Yeah, we're going to just kind of uh, lightning round it, stealing a little bit from uh, Ken Robin there, but we'll just bust our way through this thing when we get to it, so... So for those of you in uh, the USA, we have a Labor Day weekend is this weekend. So uh, I figured this would be a good one for Sean and I to go through because between I was up north at the family cabin doing stuff. He's been doing different things. He's got to go do family stuff tomorrow. We are busy, busy, busy. But I figured, you know what? This is a good thing to kind of bust through, uh, lay it out there, talk to folks about things. So anyway. Um, do, do, do any announcements? Oh, evercon.org. I'm going to keep hammering this folks. Evercon.org, uh, January of 2017, start your gaming year outright. Come there, run some games for us, participate, have a good time. Uh, I could really use, uh, some good game masters. I know our listeners are not only kick-ass GMs, but also kick-ass players. So it would be great to have any and all of you who can attend to attend. And Sean, I assume the gaming and BS Uber is still around. Right, it is so far. Uh, yes, has anyone taken anyone taken us up on it yet? Uh, uh, no. I think maybe one. Maybe one. I think Josh might have been one from last year. Oh, okay. He might be back. I think he'll. He's coming back. Very cool. Yeah. Anything else? No. Any crazy announcements? No. I don't think so. No. Okay. No. All right, well, the hell then, man. Let's go right into Random right. Encounter. Okay, okay, Brett. Random Encounter. Got some comments this week. I think one of my favorite comments we got somewhere in the Google Plus space was uh, last time, last episode, Sean had coined the term calling BS. <laughs> and someone's like, that should be your t- that should be your Random Encounter. It should be calling BS. A.K.A. Yes. <laughs> yes. Calling so BS. random encounter, aka calling BS. Right, I like it. I don't know why we didn't think about that. I don't know, 104 <laughs> episodes no, ago. Yeah, that was uh, that's that's somebody out there was spitting diamonds. I can't remember who said that, but kudos to our listener for that for that little bit calling that out there. Anyway, you want to start off? Start us off. Sure, do it. All right, pure mongrel, not unpure mongrel, but pure mongrel. Well, yes, we only have the purest of mongrels. Comments on G Plus about gaming away from the table. Sean P. Kelly highlighted an app called Telegram a while back, and my group has been using it for for away, far away from the table play. It for away from the table play. Would you like me to read this one, John? (laughs) That is really, he's like Australian, so it's like I'm not even messing it, you know, I can't even... No. Mess this up. It, this, this is a nicely crafted sentence, actually. It's good. <laughs> it flows. It's nice. An app called Telegram a while back, and my group has been using it for away from the table play. Yep. Uh, so if you you don't know what he's talking about, Telegram is kind of an instant messenger. Um, it's supposed to be, I think, pretty private, like encrypted private. 
So some people have gone to that. I think it's a different, I think it's like a cross between Twitter, Voxer, and Slack. Anyways. Okay. We have one chat group, Table of Savages, for discussing what happens between sessions, and another called Savage Dice Rolls for recording dice rolls only. The reason for this is it's easier for keeping track of what is happening. Seems fair. Two different tracks, two different main topics. Yeah. As each of us have different times free to access the app during the day, stuff can be missed in general chat. My players know that Savage Dice Rolls only contains requests for attribute and skill checks. Table of Savages is where discussions happen. Once I receive all players' dice rolls, I give a brief description of what happened and the consequences. Must be noted that the system is mostly used for travel encounters, not intense scenes or plot-dependent narrations. It is a great way to explain what happened during travel that gives a lead-up to the next session, but does not eat up valuable face-to-face time. For example, currently my group is trying to find an old hunter's shack that is believed to hold a clue to the whereabouts of some hidden artifacts. From our last session's ending to the location in question, there is three weeks travel through snowstorm-battered forests. So as to not deal with the travel of our at our next session, I ask my players each day to give me a variety of roles, and I narrate what happened based on that. One day the weather was so bad I asked for vigor rolls to see who started getting frostbite. Uh, The next day I asked for persuasion rolls as the hirelings wanted to turn back after the cook took to fever. After day after that, agility and strength rolls to see if they dodged an avalanche. They did, but lost the caravan and all but one horse. Today I will request survival rolls to see if they find a cave to shelter them from the storms, etc., And if they do, what about the bear they just woke up? Better get them to make a fighting roll, too. Uh, This not only keeps my players interested, but allows me to create focused opening scenes that my players are invested in. Our next face-to-face session will start with the party haggard, hungry, fatigued, injured, and freezing. Then they will be offered a quick end to their suffering and even bonuses beyond their wildest dreams. All they have to do is make a deal with the devil. I assume he means the actual level, which is the best way to right. game master. You call up old scratch. You just have him whip out the usual uh, the usual paperwork and off you go. D- right. That's how you keep your players in line. Indeed. I'm going to go. I'm going to brain my dog. I can just hear him right now. <laughs> I can't hear him. That's you fine. can't? Oh, no, I can't. It's driving me crazy. Hold on a second. See if <laughs> I can mute my. All right. Without, uh, without the off-table play, the encounter won't have the same impact. We just Me just explaining that three weeks of travel has been a bitch to the party is nowhere near the same as them playing through it, albeit in brief stints. It will make the temptation greater and the dangerous position the party is in at the start of the session more dire. Off-table play does not need to be intense, just bullet points and rolls, but its impact can be great on the following session. I like this. This is really cool because it's kind of, I mean, as every game master and player uh, issue can be solved with, hey, communicate, talk to each other. This is very clearly, look, we have, um, there's a box that this off-table play happens in, and it's setup stuff. It's the the travel stuff. It's the, hey, blah, 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 and this leads us into the adventure, and boom, when you're at the table, all that preamble is taken care of. But you had a hand in the preamble. You had a hand 
in that discussion that happened um, through this um, through this mecha- mechanism. I like it. I like this idea. Good yes. stuff, Mongrel. P- very pure, very mongrel, very much appreciated. All right. We've got Steve Orlick up next, and he says, since you gents called out, <clears throat> excuse me, to see if anyone uses the 5E, 5E D&D, of course, downtime rules as more than a quick die roll, I feel I must reply. I have done both. Well, now he's just, calling BS. Yeah, he's totally calling BS I mean, on us. I mean, we can. Because we, we, we intimated that it wasn't happening that often, or I should say Sean specifically said uh, something along the lines of, ain't nobody know how, no way doing that. Or he probably is a little more eloquent, but that sounds like Sean. Yeah. Anyway, he says he's done both. If it's just carousing or creating items, I've just rolled it. But gathering information slash inciting riots and buying slash selling magic items, I had those uh, role play and story put into it. A lot of good session time has come out of putting story into those downtime rules. As always, keep pumping out that BS, Steve Orlick. Steve, that's good stuff. Basically, it's kind of similar to what uh, the mongrel is doing, right? Where you have, there's certain things that are, hand wavy just a die roll if you will i mean he's saying hey you're just doing something really simple um you're out there and you're making an axe or you're making flat uh arrows or something along those lines or leather working or something okay fine that's no big deal um gathering information inciting riots magic item sales or purchases and that type of thing it lends itself to more role playing and gives you an opportunity to put a little some a little bit of oomph behind it from a story perspective so that's good stuff thanks steve i like that yeah, thanks, Steve. Next one's you, sir. All right, greetings. This is from Edwin. Ed, so he, Ed is writing back. All right. This is after he called BS. Which, uh, as rightfully so, somebody's got to call BS on us on occasion. Yeah, and that's okay. It's totally okay. Your comment about downtime becoming role playing if you role play it got me thinking. Well done. Ed, you're welcome, buddy. So that was just a quick wrap. That was Sean's allusion to, okay, if your downtime is really hardcore role-playing, is it really downtime? I, that was, if, I if, leave it to I, you, listener. Had I a Phil Vecchio with me, I go, Phil, define downtime. But that's not how we roll here. No. We, we make shit up as we go. So anyway, lacking a Vecchio, um, that was the that was a question that uh, Sean had posited to me and to our listeners. So carry on. Totally true and not something I'd thought about. And Ed, because of that. You are our favorite listener of the week. <laughs> you are a BSer. Um, I think that for me and my games, downtime activities have little risk. They tend to occur in what is typically a safe zone. I had a PC try to develop blacksmithing skills, for example. 5e has a mechanic for that, and I could have just said to keep track of down days and gold and let me know when you've become proficient in blacksmithing. What I did do is introduce the PC to the blacksmith and roleplay the agreement for training. Okay. Uh, We then ran through some skill checks to help describe the first few days. There was a fumble on the first day leading to the PC almost losing his post, but a follow-up charisma role allowed him to carry on. He performed much better on day two. I played in a game where we ordered armor and played through the ordering and the bargaining and then went back to slaying innocent dragons. When we returned to pick it up, somebody had taken it by using our faces. Hmm. Wait a minute, hold on. Did I skip a whole paragraph? 
No, he didn't. I think he ah, someone had taken it. Slaying innocent oh, dragons. Someone had taken. Oh, someone had taken their stuff. When we returned they to pick it up, somebody had taken it by using our faces. Yeah. So basically, they pulled the old switcheroo, the old uh, um, you know, masks and so forth. Yeah, they, yeah. Ha-ha, we've we've snagged your gear. Right. Boom. Downtime to story. I also have a PC learning to juggle. We did some offline emails detailing what it would mean once we learn once he learned to juggle well and how the skill could be used in combat and have been taking very brief breaks at the table when there's downtime for him to roll some dice and see how the PC is coming along. Maybe this is a difference which you mentioned that Monty mentioned between character and story development. In general, I've used downtime with or without role playing to be character development but sometimes story pops up and develops as well. In either case, time moves quickly and the narrative is less detailed than during uptime, but there is always some role-playing. Training or travel montages fall into this general category as well. Back to the beginning, I'm not sure if you've talked about safe zones in depth, but that could be a fun topic if you haven't. Do you allow your PC somewhere they can store items without fear, can heal and plot without worry? When do you break that tacit agreement and have robbers hit them at home? Happy Gaming Edwin. That's a good point, and I know Brett's highlighting it now, and he's going to file that away to talk about later. But it is interesting because I know when you start tangling like all the stuff that the party requires or acquires, how are they toting it around? If you See, that's the thing. If you don't play encumbrance, kind of, then you can lose that piece. Like, oh, you just have a bag of holding and it has 3,000 pounds of stuff in it. You're muted, dude. Um, so I think that... I'm just just, just so happy about something here. You um, are. You're really... <laughs> I was. Oh this was really cool. So Edwin mentions the difference is between character dev and story development. So if we're using downtime as a way to help characters develop, <clears throat> it's no different in a way than uh, character backgrounds. Because the truth is at the table, we talked about it's best to have your background information be on the table so everybody can see it or know about it. It's good stuff. So this way, if your character development happens in a format uh, between you and the game master, so it's really happening, it's happening in the game world, the truth is right there on the table, even if it's in a Slack channel or something like that, and it develops into story that everybody else could get into, that is just like the game master basically working, Sean working me over saying, okay, you've got this mysterious past, Brett. How does that play in? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, guess what? Here's the guy from your mysterious past. And boom, there you go. So it's a great opportunity to take all of those because you're basically creating backstory. You're creating that uh, character background right there, developing it on the fly as you go. And then when the cool story opportunities come up, the game master's right there to snag that shit and throw it right into play. I like that. There you go. I know that it's not like, oh my god, Edwin, this is amazing. But th- the way you stated that there, really, um, really brought that back to my head. So that's a good reason, if for no, if for nothing else, it's a damn good reason to do um, this type of uh, uh, downtime. Downtime has value other than just getting through a boring bit. It also has the potential story development value, which is really cool. Nice stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So last one here. Um, let's see here. 
Sergeant Jason uh, Pemberfoot suggested the following topic on Twitter. He's listening to us during his field exercises in lovely Alaska, Canada. Um, topic dis- suggestion here. D&D classes and the class-specific groups and organizations operating behind each class. That, Jason, sounds pretty damn interesting. That's going in the hopper. That's so he, in the hopper. So, for example, I asked them to clarify. So it's kind of like the the cleric order, whatever that may be. I don't know if the Thieves Guild will play a role in that, what have you. So he, yeah. he hit us up on Twitter and said, hey, I'm listening to you guys during my field exercise. I realized he was in the military. Uh, and, and he's like, hey, here's a topic discussion suggestion. And so that's what he did. So he's moving, uh, I think, uh, Fort Lewis, Washington soon, which is, so we wish him safe travels and absolutely and everything that he's doing. Thanks for did serving. He, absolutely. Did he mention what branch? I was curious. Oh yeah. Army you. man. Army. We found you an army buddy. Yeah, he's okay, army good. man. He's army. He's army. He's army. Yeah, that, mean, that means he's good people, right? Yeah. Sean? Oh yeah. He's yeah. Oh hell yeah. 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 I, I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, bent out of shape on what branch. I'm going to uh, kill my dog again. <laughs> okay. All right. But cool. um, that's good stuff. That's actually kind of neat. That dude, that totally ties with that, with the thing that Edwin brought up is kind of the whole, okay, what do you do with your stuff? You know, you talk about first the OSR stuff when you go back to it and you, and you say, oh, I, I'm old enough. I'm old enough. Excuse me. A high enough level. I can, or I'm old enough too. Um, I, I should have a keep. I should. I can have men at arms. I can have a castle. I can have a church. Is it that what happens when the adventurers do like my buddies and I did back when we were uh, first edition Forgotten Realms again? We found a keep and we got a duchy assigned to. You know, we were granted a duchy and we did all this crazy stuff. How does uh, how and what do you do with that stuff? So this this harkens right back to that thing that Edwin just said. So awesome, Jason. Thank you, sir. That's good stuff. I think I'm going to name my next D and D halfling. After the sergeant here, because I think his last name, if it is indeed his real last name, rocks. Pemberfoot. Yeah, that is that is a goddamn good name. Yeah, I, I see. I see a, a halfling ranger, just a badass halfling ranger. Yeah, well, like on a on a war dog or something. And maybe Sergeant Pemberfoot is a halfling. He well could be. Halflings are indeed some of my favorite characters. I'm just speculating here. I don't know. That one, Sergeant. Jason Pemberfoot sees us, he'll punch us both right in the face. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it's okay. Cause I would it's be okay. honored to be punched in the face by a United States military veteran. For Sean, he kind of hits like a little, well, like a little kid. Bust out the pugil sticks. <laughs> Next. All right. That's it, man. That's it for uh, Colin BS, AKA random encounter. Let's move it. Topic of discussion, episode 104, Brett. As I let off with, we're going to do RPG a day for 2016. If you go out there and type in RPG a day 2016 and you say, hey, what's this about? Um, right there's a beautiful image on green. It has 31 different things for you to talk about. Now, one of the interesting pieces I got here was I was watching um, S. John Ross, uh, one of my favorite RPG authors, was saying, he hates it when they do what's the best source or what is the most amazing or most impressive. He's like, there's so many different things. It's hard to choose a single one. And I get that. Sometimes the superlatives get in the way. So we may not necessarily come up with the most, but at least we're going to try to rapid fire our way through it. 
It'll be at least the one that we think of offhand. Probably have more, but this is where we're at. You ready, Sean? So if we take a minute per, we're going to run long. It'll put us at 50 minutes. <laughs> okay. There's no way we're going to take a minute per. I'm just telling people right now. Oh, yeah. as, as, to quote Bob Everson, old man Logan, we're running long. Or ceviche, as he likes to go by now. Oh, that's true. El ceviche. That's El ceviche, correct. yeah. That's true. So, number one, real dice, dice app, diceless. Or how do you prefer to roll, Sean? Real dice. Real dice as well here. <laughs> number two, best game session since August of 2015. <sighs> best game session. What's the first one that comes to mind? Jeez, man. I don't even know. Since 2015? Yeah. Oh. August of 2015. Very specific. I would have to say, ah, oh, booger, man. See, this is why it's going to take longer. You we'll answer you right now, first. I will answer first. Right now, it is my bad magic game. It is two sessions ago when my buddy Alpha's character, Cookie Carlson, the private eye, came into his own. And uh, if anybody has ever seen the old uh, TV show, Canon, if you haven't gone YouTube, look it up. He ended up making a character that Cookie Carlson, um, and he found a picture. He goes, this is my guy. And those of us who are old enough, I didn't remember it off front, but some of the other guys are older than I am went, that's Cannon from the TV show. Went, oh, that's where that's from. And boom, he became Frank Cannon. So before every session, we now play the Cannon theme song. It just rolls. It's it's a thing of beauty. Who's, it is wonderful. Who's the actor who played Cannon? I, shit. I used to know and I cannot remember right now. Who is it, Sean? It's Robert Conrad. Robert Conrad. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. Kids, look right, that Sean. up on the Wikipedias. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, or or ask your dad. Or ask your dad. <laughs> or, or your grandfather. Gamer, <laughs> or, or another gamer who's in his 40s. Okay, Sean, what is yours? Best game session? Man, I don't know. I guess I got to go with um, uh, shoot ball, man. I, I guess I got to go with come uh, probably one of the Star Wars Edge of the Empire game sessions. <clears throat> Those were really good. Probably the last Honest- one. Because <laughs> I got to do stuff because you guys rolled like crap. Yeah. We could not roll. That was terrible. Normally, every game session, the funky dice are rolling in our favor. The team was like unstoppable. Light side, dark side, throw me all the dark side, Sean. We can take that shit. It was ridiculous. Last session, I think we had one success all night. That was it. Everything else was abysmal failure. It was terrible, but gorgeous at the same time. And when I say last session, it was the last session of the campaign currently. So it was like left off, cliffhanger, done. We may pick it up later. It was quite good. All All right. right, Next up, character moment you are proudest of. Number three, Sean, a character moment that you are proudest of. Oh, character moment. Uh, I would have to say in my buddy Doc's game, I'm playing a 60-year-old wizard in a campaign that is not. The magic has been lost for centuries. So I would have to say being an advisor to some of the regents in the local area and and uh, advising them upon tactical and strategy movements nice yes right now the one that hits me up front is in chris nizak's um ravenloft game that he ran for for me mark napick emily and uh, tom um that was a lot of fun and my halfling warty mugwort the paladin uh, there was a moment there. There were two moments. One, when I um, 
<laughs> I, I I killed the thing, which I was positive was the right thing to do. Um, um, if you've listened to the show, you know what I killed and whatnot. Um, number two, the other piece of that was at the very last session we just had this last Wednesday when I got to look Tom Flanagan in the eye and say, character to character, if I ever see you again, I will kill you. And then carried Emily oh. off through a portal that shunted us away from Ravenloft. Whoa. Yes. It was a hell of a good. I love that character. That was one of my favorite. I've had other really fun D&D characters over the years. But since if I look back within the last year, the one that quickly comes to mind is that one. And again, I don't get to play that often, but that was really cool. That's a lot of fun. All right. Number four, most impressive thing another's character did. I can tell you right now, for me, it's anything that Steve Day did. I I gotta give Steve. Fucking hell! I gotta give Steve Day props. Yeah. Oh my god! I mean, Cookie Carlson, as I said, he's just he's some great, great game sessions. But I'll tell you, from another most impressive, uh, Steve Day's droid in the Star Wars game. So our buddy, my buddy Steve, joined our Edge of the Empire game. Uh, He created an assassin droid, an IG eighty eight, but. Turned him into Mr. Charisma. So everything he did was charisma and social based, and he would just dominate because he buffed all his charisma <laughs> skills. <laughs> that dude knew how to make a character. He knew how to power game a character in the coolest way possible. It was so cool. And so he would role play anything. Like whenever he, they'd run into a problem, he would just go, Hey, I could go up and talk to him. And I'm like, Great. <laughs> and he would smooth talk his the party's way through anything, pretty much. Absolutely, it was all, which is one of the reasons why the last episode failed because Steve couldn't make it. Um, yeah. Number five, what story does your group tell about your character? Who I think I'm going to take my NPC from back in my vampire days. My Vlad Dracula is still well hated and reviled. I had worse bad guys, worse NPCs, and cooler NPCs. I thought. And people hated so-and-so. They hated Michael. They hated all these other characters that I had. But Vlad, Vlad was the motherfucker. And anyone in the group who's played with him, like, oh, my God, Vlad. And that one will come up with stories that I have forgotten that they will never forget. So that is, there's so many cool pieces about how he always screwed them, set them up, crushed them in the most entertaining ways possible. That was, uh, that's what I remember. How about you? Uh, probably the campaign D and D five E campaign I'm in right now, going through Ravenloft, playing Crispin. So the same wizard, ninth level guy. I uh, I call every I never call any of the characters their names correctly, <laughs> ever. <laughs> That's perfect. And it's always I mean I always know their first initial, and so it's like, you know, one's name is Herdzig. I call him Herdzog, Hordzog. Uh, nice. So you're you're the guy who can't remember their name after nine levels of adventure. Uh, yeah. And one of the guys, uh, Brian's character who kind of played with us before Brett came on, on roll 20, Brian plays, he played a guy for a while. And of course I thought he was a bumbling idiot and that was written into our story, like our chemistry. So we, I'd always say he's just an idiot and he was trying to redeem his family lineage while he, he didn't want to play that character anymore. So he, he removed him out of the, the story, created a new guy who was a cleric. So, of course, when I go to talk to him, I'm like, this, you know, you sound just like this guy, this idiot. <laughs> hey, you remind me of this other guy. It's like, I no, know. I don't know who you're talking about. And I go, no, you, you sound like uh, the, that goofball Kemp. He was uh, the, the, an idiot. 
You yeah, sound like him. Yeah, I know, but you just you right. mind me of him. Something about you. Oh, yeah. that's perfect. So yeah, I uh, hand that right. sucker up. So those guys probably get like they kind of get kind of irked, I think, because that's the way it is. But hey, man, that's the character, dude. That hey, it's the story. Me. It's the story your group tells about your character. That's right. Number six, most amazing thing a game group did for their community. I'm going to think of this as your game group. For me, um, a chunk of my gaming group is now we now can are running Evercon um, for the gaming community up in my hometown. Um, it's it needs to expand and so on. As I've talked on the show, that's our coolest thing for like the gaming community. Outside of that, the other thing that we have done up there is that through Evercon is then we make sure that we have our charity auction, all that good stuff. We're keeping that going forward and picking local charities to assist with. Sean, anything on your side? You know, nothing directly community related, although it's something I want to explore, but I would, I would say, you know, maybe some, something similar where we've, you know, even through the gaming at BS have DMS running or game masters running a game hole con. They're coming to game hole con that, you know, they have a charity. There's going to be things that uh, are donated through that path. So, I mean, I don't know any of us that are directly, I mean, there's probably individuals. True. Um, yeah. But I don't, I don't know anybody in our group that's directly kind of involved with the community and benefiting that, but. All right. Number seven, what aspect of RPGs has been, had the biggest effect on you? Aspect. Yes. I compel that. I compel that. <laughs> I compel that shit. Um, Why the, are they asking fudge questions on here? Fate. Why are they asking fake questions on nice. this survey? I, uh, Call Vecchio and Sneezek. I need some help on this. How do I do? Capel, never un- you were never prepared. There what aspect? Uh, f- uh, jack of all trades. Jack of all trades. For me, it has been the improv uh, storytelling ability. The ability to come up with shit on the fly and to... I pride myself with not being caught flat-footed too often. And it saved my ass many times in my real world job. <laughs> I would have to, as well as other places. I would have to say that it goes back to one of our episodes where I say I game to prevent myself from punching somebody in the face. That's true. So that aspect of if it weren't for RPGs, we would probably be serial killers. Stress stress relief, <laughs> whatever that is. All right. Number eight, hardcover, softcover, or digital. Hardcover, me, hardcover. I think I got to go hardcover, even though I think a majority of my books are starting to get, no, I think they're all hardcover. Hardcover. I'll tell you what, even I've started to pare stuff down. Sean and I were talking about this beforehand. I'm getting rid of some gaming stuff, which is kind of heresy in some in some circles. But the stuff I'm hanging on to, they've got to be hardcovers. If I want them and they come in a hardcover, by God, I'm going to have a hardcover. All right, number nine, beyond the game, what's involved in an ideal session? Beyond the game, what's involved in an ideal session? <sighs> location for me. I love a really good location that is not necessarily... My buddy Alpha's place is one of the best places that I've had. Um, I also have had been able to game in a gaming and comic book store in the basement of one. And location. It's got to be location. If the location is solid, secure, insofar as when you go in there as players and game master, you enter the gaming world. That's the immersion I'm looking for, you know, where the outside world doesn't bother you. Um, once that's there, the rest of it is just is, uh, I mean, a good game, obviously, but the location, if it's a good location, I'm happy as hell. Sean? Dude, I got to go with the people, man. All right, find the people. I got to go with the people. I got to go with the players. I got to go with uh, who I'm gaming with. 
If you pack a large enough caliber weapon, you can get the people to play perfectly. That is so true, <laughs> I would I'm imagine. Just saying these these things, these things can work. Yeah. No, that's a good point, Brett. All right. All, although your point is also valid. A good group. Right. The right mix of people. Right. Yeah. I mean, if it's, you got, <laughs> you some got a bunch heads. of assholes at the table, not so good. You know, Brett, you could be role playing in a castle and have a bunch of a holes at your table. <laughs> yeah. So I think I, I think I trump you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. All right. Largest in game surprise you have experienced or pick one. This is number 10. Large, large or largest in game surprise. <sighs> largest in game surprise? Yeah. Oh God, I don't, I cannot remember. The one that hits me right now, off the top of my head, is Alpha using a bag of devouring and slipping it over the skull of a demi lich. Mm. That that was bad. That went that went badly. <laughs> I had no idea that was going to happen. There's been a host of things similar to that, but that is uh, that's the one that comes to mind right now. Oh, and another one where my sister was playing this. Uh, she, uh, a vampire character, she was a, a human hunter. She had psychometry. She could touch stuff and she'd get visions. And every time she touched stuff, she'd have these horrendous visions and she'd pass out. So it became the joke of, oh, don't let Leah touch that. She'll just pass out. Everyone forgot, including me, that she had, in vampire terms, she had like a five dex and a five strength. She was like a, a killing machine. She just never played it up. Until at one point, when she'd had enough of this group of cultist shit, and she picked up an axe and just laid waste to the entire room. And everyone went, oh, my God, you can do that. And I for, I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot you can do that. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. So this poor little dainty thing that I was always touching stuff and passing out and just handing out, you know, reams of clue information had enough of everybody's shit and just fucking killed the entire room. That was very surprising as well. Sean? I honestly, I can't. I can't think of anything. Nothing? I, I don't know. I got, I'm sure there were like, oh my God, I can't believe that. Did, oh. you ever, did you ever have a monster that came and go, what the fuck is that? Or some weird twist on a critter that, or something like that? I'm sure I have. I just cannot remember specifics. All right, Sean's boring. Yeah, um, pass. <laughs> pass. Number 11, which gamer most affected the way you play? Well, Brett, because uh, I certainly don't want to get shot. I don't want to get beat up or punched. Well, so. I I haven't hit you that hard. You know, we go roll 20 because of that reason. It's safer. It is safer. I am going to say uh, Lenny, my uh, buddy Lenny. He is most definitely affected the way I play. Yeah? Absolutely. His approach, the things that um, his background uh, and acting and what he likes in story and everything else. I He's an awesome, awesome gamer. Really good game master and player uh, all around. And uh, the way he does it is really affected the way I play in my opinion for the better all right man no one nothing serious from you uh i who has affected me in the way that i play oh man i don't know that's uh i don't know maybe my buddy dustin he's always been a game master he was the game master starting out when we were kids um he is a very good game master um i think over years i've Stepped up because he hasn't been able to play all the time. Um, so I there think just kind of, because I think, I don't know about everybody else's experience, but when we started out, it was always kind of him. Like he would DM and if he wasn't available, we didn't play. And if we 
had somebody else kind of fill in. It wasn't exactly the same. And I think having me want to learn how to DM so that that didn't take place, right? Well, well, if Dustin's not going to make it, somebody's got to do it. And I don't want to not play. So I'm going to fill the gap. So I'm going to fill the gap and maybe <clears throat> learn kind of, because I think as a game master, a you never lot of forget us, your you never forget your first good game master or and your first bad one. Right? Well, right, and I think you, you, you're going to remember those two. Right, and I think we learn from somebody. Right, okay, I, I don't know how to game master, but since I'm in this game and I watch them and listen to them and hear them, I, I incorporate that into mine. It's kind of like passed down, kind of. No, I hear you. No, I have. If I look at that, the first person who hit me would be Eric Schaefer. Was one of the first game masters I had. That was probably. I still hold his D and D game mastery at very high, very high regard. And uh, Aaron just helped me take, from a player's perspective, what I learned and was trying to emulate from Eric and expand it to even greater levels, in my opinion. So, very cool. Yeah. Number twelve. What game is your group most likely to play next, and why? So, nice, nice black agents. Nice black agents. Because that's what I'm running. That's what you're running. That's what I'm gonna run next. So, hey. So after Trailer Cthulhu's done, you do an NBA? I think I got a man. Dracula dossier, man. I got all the books. It's like crazy right. good. Well, I'll tell you what. When you're done with that, I'm going to do Cypher. Ooh. So that's that's the next one there. My core group at my pantheon of gaming gods in my hometown, um, most likely to play, we have... Who I'm actually thinking Cypher system might hit up there as well. I'm not sure. If I don't get a chance to crack it out, with Sean and those guys online, I may pull out Cypher System there as something a little bit different. Otherwise, I have a feeling I may... Oh, shit, I don't know. That's probably going to be Cypher. I'm looking backwards as, as Sean's looking at me going, what are you looking at? I'm looking at my gaming shelf. I think it's going to be Cypher. And I think it is because what I'm reading and what I've heard and what I'm seeing about it, it seems to fit my group's style, uh, style of play quite well. So that's what I think I'm going for. All right, number 13. What makes a successful campaign? I'm going to say um, dedication buy-in from Game Master and players. That's my stance right now. Sean, what do you say? Yeah, I think that's a good one. I don't, I'm going to steal it. I like it. Yeah. Number 14, your dream team of people you used to game with. Ooh. Dream team. <laughs> if I could go back and pick... <laughs> If I could go back to Brett, my gaming group Brett, and pick the what Brett, you don't because we game right now, you don't have to pick me. I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm talking. I'm, I just want to yeah, say that right now, so you don't feel weird. <laughs> I don't feel weird. Okay. Yeah. So apart from Sean, who you always have to have in your group, I um, I would go back in time and pluck a couple people I used to play with in my home in my uh, my gaming group, and um, make sure that they were here. I've got a number of people there, plus. Eric Schaefer, as I mentioned, and a few other people from back in the high school, early college era. But a number of men and women from my gaming group have moved, you know, gotten married, changed locations, whatever. I would love to be able to change it so that distance and location and um, dedication or ability to dedicate time would not be an issue. But it would be um, those folks. I'd love to see some of them again. Uh, I would have to say some of the guys that I played with in Living Force. Um, it was a good long campaign. A lot of us were new to each other, 
and uh, had some pretty good chemistry at the table, some pretty good adventures, some pretty good one-liners. So I would say uh, some of the folks from that that group, most definitely. Cool. Number 15, your best source of inspiration for RPGs. Whew. Sean, what do you got? Best source. Well, a source? Uh, movies, books, kind of the standard. Um, I think, well, no, that would be how I come up with it. I was going to say in the shower. <laughs> that's not that's not the inspiration piece. It's just where they may hit me. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I really think it's novels. For me, a lot of books. I mean, I come up with this stuff. And sometimes I'll be. The other one that's hitting me too is I'll listen to podcasts oh, and true. somebody will mention something. And quite frankly, some of our listeners, I mean, and this is no bullshit. This is not just ego stroking to our listeners, but damn it. These men and women have thrown some stuff out there. I'm like, that's a fucking good idea. Yeah. I'm going to take that. And I'm going to use it. I mean, getting active in the online community, podcasting, I'm getting more like constant influx of kick-ass ideas yeah. now than I have before. I, I don't have to go find them anymore. People are coming to me. So well, it's awesome. Yeah, I agree with that. I, it's something I overlooked, but I would say online blogs, online posts, like, to, like, hey, here's what I'm doing in my current game. And it's like, ooh, I want that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Historical person you'd like in your group and what game? Historical person. Historical. Like, like Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter? I don't know. Ooh, that could be interesting. <laughs> Historical person I'd like in my group, and what game would they play? So a real person, historically, like Jesus of like Nazareth, to, put him in my so game. I'm gonna, so I'm going to take Eric Wujek, and I'd like to, I'd like to play Amber with him. Eric Ooh. Wujek is the guy who developed the Amber game system, and I would love. I know some other people have played. I know people have played with him and despised his style. I know other people said, "Oh my god, amazing Amber game master." I would like to see him in action with that diceless system to see if I have been able to capture the spirit and approach of it the way he would have. I think that'd be the most interesting to me. I don't know if this is a historical person, but I would go with, um, Colbert. Oh, Stephen Colbert. I'd go oh, Stephen oh, Colbert. Play D &D with him? <laughs> yeah, I would probably, and I would say that, uh, what game? Oh, it's gotta be D and D. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just I pick Wujek <laughs> because he's dead, and you know there's just no way in hell that that's ever going to happen. But your I mean, your point as well, you you take a current celebrity, there's no way in hell you and I are going to have a chance, probably. So yeah, cool. I, I don't know if that qualifies for historical person. It's a little bit of a stretch, but let let, let me check the bylaws. Yeah, fuck it, moving or shit, <laughs> even Gary for that person. I mean, if you want to get somebody who's passed away, have that's Gary, true. you know, um, Dave Arneson, another guy, you know, sure. Anyway. Um, number 17, what fictional character would best fit in your group? Fictional character. Fictional character. When these pauses, I feel like putting the match game. That's no, the, nah, uh, that's, that's, that's Jeopardy. That's Jeopardy. Um, what fictional character would best fit in my group? I'm going to say Elminster for whatever that name comes to my mind right now. I have no idea if that's absolutely true or not. But there's something about that body old mage that just feels like he would fit in. Something about it. Yeah, I would maybe go, if I'm going to do Knights Black Agents, uh, I got to go with Jason Bourne. Just stick him in there and have him rough up people. 
<laughs> that was, wow. Just like smoke I, I, I everybody. Would, I would definitely behave. I would yeah. totally behave. Like you're going to do what? Yeah, I'd just be a bloody pile in a corner. Yeah. All right. Number 18. What innovation could RPG groups benefit most from? <clears throat> VR. Virtual reality. I am going to say I want a decent um, digital format for my gaming. Define. And that means I don't want PDFs anymore. Fuck PDFs. I want decent um, ebooks. I think in a decent, uh, if we took that level of innovation, the technology around um, <clears throat> textbooks and so forth, you could learn. I believe you could then make games faster to learn, easier to reference, um, encapsulated videos within them, blah, blah, blah. I really think that is the thing RPG groups can best benefit from. I think the uh, augmented reality or not even VR augmented reality where you have like the, the most kick-ass table you could find and everything is manipulated digitally. So like every, all the miniatures are holograph, holographic images that are hard to define that they're actually holographs. The problem that's going to happen with that is at some point it's going to do the, yeah, but Wookiees don't tear your arms off when they lose joke. And you hear that all the fucking time. Well, Monty Python, you know, it's just kind of the deal. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I think it'd be worth it. It'd be worth the Wookiee jokes. All right. Next 19 best way to learn a new game. Um, learn it from a friend, honestly, a trusted friend, um, who, even if they don't even have to know the rules, know the game hundred percent to learn a new game, learn it from a trusted friend, someone you can ask questions of someone you can feel foolish in front of go, Oh my God, I didn't know that. Learn it from a friend. A trusted friend is the best way to learn a new game. In my opinion. Yeah. I have somebody that's like more of a system master in a particular rule system, run the game that you play in maybe maybe even it's a few sessions and then bounce stuff off of them and yeah if you're running into problems like i was going with the trusted friend even if you don't have the system mastery because with a good friend you can even that person sean say you don't know knights black agents and send out right that's okay i trust you dude we'll figure this out we can work it out together oh we made a mistake no big deal we can go back i got you in, instead of some hard ass SOB who just she decides that no, this is out, you know, right, 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 right. Number 20, most challenging but rewarding system you have learned. <sighs> hmm. Mm. The um, I am a, a for me, it's a toss up between Amber and the role master system. Role master, just chart master, oh my god, tons of craziness, so on and so forth. Um, uh, but Amber is diceless. And learning a diceless system and being able to manipulate that in some way, shape, or form, challenging. Very, very challenging, especially when you got players that are used to randomizers. You're used to reaching for those dice to help you figure something out, and they don't have it. Um, and uh, from a reward perspective, understanding that and learning how to do that, I think I've gotten more out of that that I've been able to translate to all my other games. So I'm going to say Amber. I'm going to say Fatal. Fatal. <laughs> you know, it, it's why? lost on what? it's lost on Brett because he doesn't. No, I'm just like why? Well, I'm just kidding. It's not fatal. <laughs> okay, good. Because uh, it's definitely not rewarding. Um, I w- I don't know. I don't du- Dungeon World, powered by the apocalypse. I don't know if it's the most challenging, but I think it was quite an eye opener to me. Kind of like, and, and I don't know. Maybe that's a stretch, but I thought, wow, this is kind of cool. This is a different concept. The, the concept p- component can be a challenge, though, right? Because you're stepping away from what you're used to doing and, and use your words, not your dice. Right. You know, it, it, it's different. 
and grokking that component. You and I talked about it. I qu- quite frankly didn't really get it, and I was like, I was rather dismissive of it until I had a chance to play a one shot with Sneezak online, and I'm like, oh, fuck, that's how this goes. This is pretty goddamn cool. Otherwise, now, now I get it. Otherwise, it would be D twenty, believe it or not, because I didn't, I wasn't gaming when D twenty was launched. That's true. You were not. I came back, and it had been in place, and it was literally three zero. I mean, literally when I started. Three five was coming out like three months later, six months later. So that's wow, how okay. far into the D twenty I had started, and I had never played it before. Well, I'll tell you if you can if you can grok and get a hold of D twenty three zero three five Pathfinder. If you get that and you can game it, you can game it well, and you know the rules, you understand all the bits and pieces of it. That's fucking challenging. Yeah, I mean it's not necessarily rollmaster challenging, but it's challenging in its own way. And there's a lot of cool rewards that come from that. The volume of players at your fingertips, the ability to master that, the ability to, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. All right. Number 21, funniest misinterpretation of a rule in your group. I don't know about this, man. I don't know. I got nothing on this one. Um, we have forever, my group misunderstood the first edition AD&D uh, armor spell. I honest, to this day, I don't remember what the hell it is. Oh, it's only missile. Uh, not only is it only missile, but it only does certain other things. Oh, no, that's shield. That's shield. Shield is only missile. Sorry. My bad. But armor has very specific components around it, and I don't have my book in front of me to look it up, my Unearth Arcana. But the way my group had played it, forever in high school and other guys I'd met and played with, we all misinterpreted it the same way. My buddy Boyd shows up. We're playing. He goes, that's not how that spell works. (laughs) And six of us go, yeah, it is. And And Boyd at the time... We're in our 20s, and Boyd is like in his 40s. He's like, no, it's not. Trust me. I mean, he's white box gamer. He goes, no, 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 no. Pulls out the book, reads it out loud to us. We go, fuck, we've been doing this wrong for like ever. Oh, my God, we're bad. We suck at this. It was just it was just a hilarious, hilarious moment. The other piece was when I, um, I fucked up the rules for Mind Flare to rip out a person's brain. And that caused uh, Beta's character to live an entire session. I had him by the brain like three different times, and I couldn't get the brain out because I f- misread the rules for some stupid reason. I just I went, oh, it, yeah, I have to do X, and I failed to do X. I'm like, okay, I guess it doesn't work. It, it was fun. It, we worked with it. He ended up with scars and this horrible blah, blah. But it, at the end of it, I went, oh, fuck, I had you dead like six times over. And he just went, ha, 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 and danced off and got some more coffee, which is uh beta's way. But anyhow, that was that was kind of funny. I got I I have no idea. Yeah, nothing. Sean's games are not funny. <laughs> Number 22, supposedly <laughs> random game events that keep reoccurring. Some random game events that keep recurring. Third in Washington. If you were in one of my games in a modern setting, something has to happen. It'll happen on third in Washington. I did this in my Chicago Vampire game. I just threw it out. Third in Washington, third in Washington, third in Washington. And until one night, everybody was given a location over random times. Like, hey, in two nights, you're going to meet at third in Washington. It's, tonight's third in Washington. Here's third in Washington. The entire group showed up. <laughs> and like, we went, wait a minute. Um, Brett, you gave us all the same address. What the fuck? So, you know, in our heads, we picture like there's, 13 vampires, 15 NPCs all piled on the street corner going, can we just pick numbers? How do we figure it? So for whatever reason, it's just a random location. I picked a street corner somewhere to meet 
So third Washington is now the thing. Anyway, that's that, that that's happened in my. I group. see. Anything else? Anything in yours? Ah, I'm losing steam on this stuff. Uh, some random game events that keep. The problem is Sean gets kicked out of so many gaming groups. It's hard for anyone. It to... usually doesn't get to that point because it doesn't recur. Because I'm yeah, you're right. I'm skipping to another game group. There's no there's no time for recurrence. <laughs> I don't know. In so in Doc's game though, you're playing with Doc for quite a while. I Anything have been. Yeah. Um random game events that keep recurring. Bad weather. Anything? Nothing? Combat. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> ah, moving on. <laughs> 23. Share one of your best worst luck stories. Worst luck story. Well, it's got to be the edge of the empire for you, <laughs> Yahoo's. I mean, every bad. freaking session, these guys are rolling. You know, oh, success with like three advantages, and it's like, what the hell? Like, I nothing. got six super successes and eighteen advantages. What do I do with all these? Can I keep? Can I keep? Can I pass advantage to everybody else? This is not a fun game until me. the end. For me, yeah, till the end, yeah. <laughs> and then it all kind of came back around. <sighs> Let's see, worst luck stories. Hmm. I think there's been so damn many. I think some of it comes down to, <coughs> excuse me, when everything is supposed, everything's supposed to work and then it doesn't. Something really, really bad happens, right? But the fact that it doesn't work, cool shit occurs. So, hmm. My buddy Lenny, uh, playing a Dark Ages vampire game, has, I completely forget that his character has, does not like the written word. He sees this as a horrible thing. <clears throat> Peasantry shouldn't see this. Nothing should be written. It's bad. It's bad for the for the for people. Blah blah blah. He destroyed my entire campaign by lighting the entire library on fire. That had like this is before I learned not to do this. And all of the clues, all these great written things, I fucking burn it. I said what? Because I burn it. The written word, man. Fuck the peasants. They're not getting hold of this. And he lights it all on fire. I'm like, God damn it. <clears throat> so from him doing it, I had no idea what to do. He destroyed everything in like two seconds. Like, oh my God, it turned into this incredibly kick-ass campaign because of it. I had to think on my feet. I had to twist and turn and learn to do something better uh, and just improv harder because of it. Um, I can't think of anything else offhand, but that, that strikes me. It's the first one that hits me. Anything for you? No, I already said mine. All right, just making sure. 24, yeah. what is the game you are most likely to give to others? Ooh. Yeah. I go between two. One is D&D, um, and then the other is Call of Cthulhu. Hmm. Most likely, though, I would think Dungeons & Dragons would be the one I would most likely give out. I know it's cliche uh, to many, but... Um, <clears throat> now, that said, I'm not talking necessarily fifth ed. I mean, I bought my... Well, this boy, his own copy of DMG, PHB, and Monster Manual, right? But <laughs> kind of expensive. Um, if somebody really wants to, though, I'd be happy to give them a copy, you know, point them at Osric. I would give that away. It's free, and I can get hardcovers or uh, print versions pretty damn cheap. But uh, a D&D or D&D derivative, I would give away. I would almost go as far to say Savage Worlds. Ah, oh, damn, that's a good one. 
That because, is a good game. And it's because the deluxe edition, uh, the, the, the size. Expl- yeah, well, it's deluxe edition explorer. The explorer format. edition is small, it's the small format. Yeah. Well, they did come out with explorer's edition, which was the small yes. format, but not mm-hmm. to be confused with the du- deluxe edition rules. Correct, which I have. Which is like 10 bucks. And yeah, I think, it's really cheap. That's a good point. It's super cheap, and you can have so much fucking fun with that. God so, damn, that's a good idea. I would probably go right. with that, yeah. <clears throat> All right. Number 25, what makes for a good character? Well, integrity, honesty, truthfulness, <laughs> sense of humor. Everything I find I, in a very fabulous person. There you go. I think for a good character, it needs to fit the game world and it needs to um, work with the story. I know that's sound very high level, but we've talked about this before that, uh, that kind of the, the character that doesn't fit at all and has been built specifically to not fit or to do something counter to what the entire game system is or what the, the storyline's about bad. Um, so anyway, that's my thought. Sean, yeah, it's hard to argue with that. I mean, you, somebody that's kind of going with the flow, Somebody that maybe has a flaw. Oh yeah, flaws. You can't. Yeah, and isn't isn't worried about playing the flaw. There you go. Or hindrance. Yep, it's a good character then, because a character is both good and bad, in equal or sometimes unequal amounts. But it's uh, yeah, it's not always the Superman that can't be defeated. I get that. Okay, cool. Twenty six. What hobbies go well with RPGs? Well, bibliophilia has gone in well with me, um, <laughs> so I end up collecting books and reading uh, as far as hobbies. Sean, what else have you – got anything else? Um, Board games. You know what? I just – so when you said that, this just hit me. You know, and this is, sounds like – I'm. I'll, I'll tell you right now. If you get into gaming, any other hobby works because while you're doing whatever other hobby it is, at some point in the downtime, I'm in the dojo. I've just – Got done sparring, working out, go, that's really cool. I'm going to use that in my next game. That shit hits me all the time. I'll be in the woods, snow up to my, uh, up to my hips, chasing big bucks in Northern Michigan, slogging around, doing something, hanging tree stands like it was this last weekend. And my first thought is, wow, this is kind of hard work. Boy, I wonder what this would be like if my character had a big backpack and I had to wear plate mail and blah, (laughs) that shit hits my head all the time. If you get into gaming, whatever other hobby you have, is going to bleed back into your gaming or vice versa. You're going to be connected. There's no way around it. You get into this thing, it will invade your life. It will. 27, most unusual circumstance or location in which you've gamed. What do you got? Unusual circumstance. Eh, Nothing? I would probably have to go with location maybe. But Unusual even, circumstance or location. Yeah, I don't need, I don't know. So the gaming store that I used to game out of my hometown, first place it was was a second story walk up was you got to the gaming store. No air conditioning. Hot as all fucking hell in July and August in, in central Wisconsin. It's like 100 some degrees. The air is not moving. We're like, screw this. We're playing vampire. I said, everyone outside. There's at least a breeze. We're on the street corner outside of the Wausau Center Mall. Where this, where our, where my buddy's shop is, we're outside hanging around a streetlight, and we're essentially LARPing vampire because no one brought dice. They had character sheets in their pockets. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. We're outside on the street, um, 
cops drove by, looked at us, kind of waved and moved on. We had uh, bar patrons looking at us going, what, what's going on over there? We ignored everything. It was awesome. At one point I was like, I climbed the street light so I could actually see into what the group was doing. It was really weird as far as just, it was just an odd location playing on the street. Absolutely randomly. No one had devised to do it. We weren't like blocked off saying, you know, LARP in progress, but that's what we ended up doing. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. We have played in cabins. We played in houses and basements and forts and all this other tents and all this other crap. I don't know if I'd cars, maybe, I don't even know. Tents is actually interesting because that's not the most comfortable place to play. There's no seating in a tent usually. No. In the table, there isn't a table really. No. No. Okay. All right. 28. Thing you'd be most surprised a friend had not seen or read. Star Wars. (laughs) When I told Sean I didn't like Star Wars, I think he almost fell over. I think there was something. Have you you seen the latest Star Wars movie? No. Are you going to? I don't know. It's my kids make me. What the fuck is wrong with you, face? (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Most of my friends, I would say, if they had not seen or read The Hobbit in some version or form, I would be shocked. Yeah, that's a good one. 29. You can game anywhere on Earth. Where would you choose? Anywhere on Earth. Anywhere on Earth. Maybe in the middle of the Vatican. In the middle of the The, Vatican. maybe, Maybe at the, what is the big church there? Where the where the Pope resides, I want like the it's whole like place el- cleared elbow out. The holy elbow the holy see out of the way. Excuse me, Father, but I got some demons to summon. Hang on, pal. Clear it all out. Get some bar stools. Bring <laughs> all the go. players up to the altar. You know, and we just game right there in uh, what is it, Saint Peter's Cathedral? I don't even know if it's Saint Peter's. Whatever. This is a, this is a totally nostalgia, but I want if I could. Uh, if I could game anywhere on earth um, and time and reality is not a factor, I would go back to the game shop that when it moved to the ground floor, I would go between there and the basement when we had the entire store, when we game there as my gaming group did, I would go back there any, any day of the week. That was the best place to game. I loved it. Number 30, describe the ideal game room. If the budget were unlimited. Wow. It'd be a dungeon. <laughs> it'd be a dungeon. I'd redo my basement to make it look like an authentic, musty, moldy, ugly, put, you know, sconces on the walls with some torches and, uh, yeah, probably make it a real life dungeon. My buddy Alpha's place is getting close. He's got tappers, his wife. Oh my God. Sarah makes the best goddamn beer in the world. Uh, her beer is on tap, two tappers all the time. He's got a beer fridge next to it. He's putting in a bar. He's got bookshelves, miniature shelves, awesome table. Um, he's soon getting a pool table, which he'll convert into an actual gaming table as well. He's getting close, getting very, very close. Um, I think it's, you know, the whole concept of the dungeon thing is cool and all. I just want a place that has a big enough table and enough space. Yeah. I just want a room. Dungeons are pretty big. Yeah, I'm just saying he's got to have got to have plenty of room. Sidebar conversations, sure. easy access to the facilities, all that good stuff. That's I don't need a lot of technology. I don't need a lot of craziness or even dec- decor type of thing. That's not a big deal. I just want space and dedicated space. That's what I want. Yeah, I would agree. All right, last one up. Best advice you've ever 
given your game of choice? Best advice you you were ever, excuse me, best advice you were ever given for your game of choice. Uh, advice? Nobody gives me advice. No, how dare they? Or maybe they have and I just don't ever remember. Like they're like, hey, Sean, let me give you some advice. And I was like, do, 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 do. Cue Mario theme. Like not listening. I don't know. Have you had it? What was the best advice you ever got though? Ah. Probably let the players do what they want. I don't know. I don't know if it's the best advice. The one piece I had um, that kind of changed how I game was my buddy. I haven't seen Will in forever. We're playing what was supposed to be maybe an intro to this game, uh, vampire game. He was kind of newer to the game. Maybe we'd only play for a couple hours. We had all night, but hey, I only slotted like three, four hours ago. And everyone's having a really good time, but I'm watching the clock. Oh, well, I guess we should wrap it up. He looks at me and goes, dude, we're having a blast here. Don't stop. And something about that component of it is that when I see the room is having fun, if we're re- if it's really, really going well, I just learned to – I've Solomon, he's right. He's totally right. This, 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 everything is clicking. Everything is together. And so from that, it's been, you know, 20-plus years of picking that apart and saying, how – what part is working well right now? What's working well here? But that ability to start looking at the group and saying, this is going really well. Cookie Carlson, a.k.a. Cannon – is kicking ass. I need this story to work better. I need to do this thing. I need to change this rule. I need to do something because this isn't working. Being able to see the things that are working and just lean into them. That's, I think, the best advice I've ever had. Yeah. Good stuff, man. All right. That was all 31. Whew. Yeah. For all those that did... That did get into it. Thanks for, we got, I ran out of steam. I started out like putting that in there every day for like the first five days. And then I'm like, uh, this is not no going anywhere. But the coolest thing that RPG a day does is that now granted when the men and women out there, some, somebody, and she says, I'm going to do this every day and bam, 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 you know, he or she just putting it out there and, and this, this gamer, she just nailing it and bam, bam, answers everything every day. The best thing that does for the rest of us, if I don't have the, fortitude to keep posting it or whatever it is, or even us just talking through it right now, kind of lightning rounding it. It's you thinking from a nostalgia perspective. It's awesome. I love thinking about gaming. I love talking about gaming. Clearly. The other thing it does though, is that it allows you to have a glimpse into some other gamers perspective and you get some really good, uh, just different insights and things that go, Oh yeah, you know what? That's a good idea. It's, it's a gaming advice in a bottle. It's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, so in case you didn't hear it, we're in the die roll. So uh, we got two to four miscellaneous points uh, we want to bring to your attention. Brett's got one. I've got a few. Got a couple from listeners. Go ahead, yeah. Brett. So there is a lost ant colony that survives upon the misfortune of its fellows. And here's the deal. There's an abandoned Polish nuclear weapons bunker. Um, there is a group of carpenter ants that big colony above them. A pipe broke. A bunch of them fell into the bunker. And being ants, like, well, fuck, I guess we got to keep going. They're not quite sure what these ants are eating down here, how they're necessarily surviving. But every once in a while, the colony above gets large enough that more of them fall down. And they go, oh, wait, new recruits. In you go. And they keep working. So as these ants are dying as fortune favors, more of them fall down and then fall down this horrible hole and they keep going. I look at this and I keep thinking of your simplistic goblinoids. 
if I look back into my fiend folio, think about the mites and the pesties and the weird little goblin-y type creatures. I could see one group of them living in the top layer of something. And every once in a while, they fall down a hole because that's just what happens. And then they land on the bottom and they're like, well, okay, I guess we'll make the best of what we can here. And they just keep building and just keep working. And uh, even if it's not animalistic, it's that kind of almost animal type of uh, goblinoid. That's what this reminded me of. So I just wanted to share it out there. That's all I had. Sean, your turn. All right. So uh, 10 Things to Find Dumped at the Dungeon's Entrance by Creighton Broadhurst on Raging Swan Press. So I th- I found the blog article and thought, oh, it's kind of neat. 10 things to, to kind of glean. And then uh, my number one or number two is the actual Raging Swan Press um, blog or website as a bunch of free resources. So if you go to their free resources link at the top, there are tons and tons of lists, like 20 of this, 10 of that, 10 of this. 10 goblins with personality, 10 remarkable unholy symbols, 20 things to loot from a cleric's body. This is the type of thing that like going to tvtropes.com, you you could spend a day here and go, oh my God, this is cool. I could build a whole goddamn adventure out of this. This yeah. is awesome. Yeah, so it's a, good, a great resource. Check it out if you, if you haven't been there. If you have been there, why didn't you tell us? I mean, really, seriously, come on. Come on now. Oh, jeez. Uh, number three, Villains and Vigilantes Kickstarter. When this drops on Tuesday the 6th, you will have 12 days to go for that Kickstarter. Now, it's already funded. I think their goal is, what, 18K, and that's up to 30? Yeah, it's at 18K. They're at 30, uh, 35 and some change. This is Jeff D., old school um, Dungeons & Dragons artist, author, so on and so forth. The original, so, uh, <clears throat> the original guy behind yeah, Villains and Vigilance. Absolutely. Yep. He actually had a, and we had this back a number of shows ago. He won a, a court case have access and do this stuff so um monkey house games is his is his deal here but anyway yeah it's good i'm not a huge superhero role-playing game this isn't this is one of those things like ah i like jeff i'd love to help him but i don't care i kind of don't care about superhero games Uh, but i know our listeners out there we've got some that are so throw jeff some love uh next one canadia is getting their own superhero universe it's about goddamn time i say wow I mean, it's just amazing that that lovely country, America's hat, does not have their own superheroes. I sometimes wonder if they even need them, but I guess they're getting them. Well, I mean, they did Alpha Flight and stuff back in the Marvel day, but it never quite seemed to take off. I see. Very cool, though. Very cool. Uh, Number four, my last one. I think it's four, five, whatever. Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea second edition Kickstarter, which I don't. I mean, I don't know if that's all been out that long. The no first edition. Adventures had, it's been out for a few years. It has been out for a few years. Kickstarter is October 21st to November 20th. God damn, these guys are going to kick me. I bought their, I think I mentioned this before. I, I picked up the uh, the PDFs of the first edition, and I like it. It's it's a lot of fun. I So, uh, oh, god damn, these folks. Between them and Monty Cook, I'm going to go fucking broke. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> Brett backed Monty Cook, Cookie Monster, hey. Monty Monster I'm Cookie. Trying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make up, I'm trying to make up for Sean and my tour horribly insulting the man all these years, uh, all these episodes I should say. All right, listeners, we had uh, Sean Nicholson call out the GURPS Fantasy Kickstarter. I did see this, and uh, I'm glad he, I'm glad he called this out to us. Sean and I were talking about this beforehand. 
Neither he nor I are big GURPS players. However, this looks like this looks pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> GURPS is still a, a powerhouse of a system, right? It can do its generic universal role playing. It can do all sorts of cool stuff. And uh, this little Kickstarter here seems like a pretty good, uh, pretty good setup. Um, this thing has 25 days to go as of right now, which is uh, September 4th. They have um, about 60K of their 100K goal. So in 25 days, I think these guys will hit it. I think they'll definitely hit it. They do pretty well. So anyway, that is out there. Uh, Azrael Arocha pointed out to us, uh, Alex Schroeder had a post around some Game Master thoughts that were all tied, uh, tied, excuse me, tied to a GM challenge compilation. Got some links in the show notes out there. Um, there's some kind of cool stuff. Um, there is a, uh, a GM challenge compilation PDF. You can go out there for free and uh, pull on some cool stuff. It's basically a lot of good GM advice, different ideas and so forth. And hey, you can't beat the price of free. So thank you to Sean and Ezreal for calling that stuff out to us. Sean? Oh, Literate Gamer. That's right. Yeah. So if you are, uh, you should check them out. They were, they're Nate and um, uh, the two gentlemen that does Literate Gamer podcast um, sent us two shirts, like shirt for Brett and I. And we, I don't know if we ever thanked them, like out on the actual podcast. I know I did on Google Plus and Twitter and all that, but. Well, absolutely. Thank you, gentlemen. This is really, it was really cool. Yeah. I got it. Sure, sure looks great. Yes. Literategamer.com, where their shows are hosted. Check them out. Um, they do some video games. They, I, I think we did mention them because we mentioned how they uh, interviewed Robin Laws. Yep. They got Robin Laws' Gen Con Diaries um, from, do, yeah. So anyway, take a look at these guys. I think they, uh, they do some good stuff. Yeah. Maybe now we just plugged them twice. Why not? They said the shirts. How do we not plug them twice? I don't know. Well, one for one, one for each shirt. One for each shirt. Yes. Otherwise, uh, this episode of Gaming ABS 104, sponsored by Gamehole Con, a tabletop gaming convention occurring in Madison, Wisconsin this November. If you're interested in checking it out, go to GameholeCon.com. They just had event registration for the masses this past Saturday. I heard it went fairly well. I don't think there was any hiccups. Um, I have not heard any bitching complaining. And normally, if there's a problem with the website, um, we see all sorts of goddamn that fucking sucks posting. And I'm not seeing that. I did see one person that said that it was kind of slow and lagged a little bit. And then it was fine. I talked to Alex. He said that at first it got hit pretty heavy, but it they recouped and everything was fine. So when you don't hear a lot of noise, then it had to have been Pretty good. Yes. It's going to be a damn fine con. It's going to be damn fine. I hope, I hope everybody can make it. So all my events are full. They're taken. So I need to see if anybody wants to, <laughs> if anybody wants to play with me. I don't, I haven't even looked yet. I should Brett's, go look. Brett's got, Brett did have an opening as of earlier today or yesterday. Are they full? I haven't looked. You, one of yours that I think is full. What, the other one what? had maybe one or two slots open. Holy crap, people want to play with me. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. It's nuts. I don't know. What <laughs> they, they, they don't know any better. That's I don't know why is. mine's full. They're probably like, I don't know why they signed up for Railroad. What? Train. What? what? Oh, yeah. I swear to you, I'll be there. Oh, yeah. I'm on YouTube. They'll nix our video right off the bat. All right. Um, but, yeah, there's still there's still some gaming and BS slots open available. I think a, uh, Nick's, um, 
Abruzio, Abruzos. He's got first edition AD and D. He's got some longer games. Oh, he he's... runs. He runs a good long game, man. If you want to get in on some heavy duty, no, do it. Get in. If you're into that stuff, play game with Nick. He's a good game master. Yeah. Uh, but I think there might be some that have like one slot open. Some maybe not at all. Some a lot of them are quite filled actually. And we're going to be talking about some of those games uh, in bonus BS episodes coming up here in the next. I think we're dropping them every Monday right before the show. Yep. This show drops. Uh, talking to the folks that are running the games, what their game is about and everything. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you all the Game Masters who volunteered to run it under our banner. Much appreciated. Thanks to everybody who signed up and is going to Gaming MBS. Gaming MBS. Going to Game Hole. And playing <laughs> Same thing, game. really. <laughs> going to our con. Hey, Alex. We appreciate everybody going to our con. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, uh, what are we talking about next week, Brett? Next week, we're going to talk. You know what? I had a different idea that I was going to throw out there, but I loved Edwin's concept of PC safe zones. We're going there. We're boom. This is immediate feedback. Edwin hit us with a good one. We're going to take it. We're going to fire right back. We're going to PC safe zones from our good listener, Edwin. Excellent. I love that idea so much. I had to go first. Otherwise, the last message we want to convey to everybody is. Hey, tell someone about the show. Um, we love reviews, obviously, iTunes, all any place you can get a review. But the best thing to do is when you do a review is if you tell your fellow gamers. I mean, this is how Sean and I find out about different podcasts. Is, hey, have you listened to these guys, Literate Gamer? Have you listened to them? Um, Instructor Mark did this. They've got their Cypher Speak thing. They got this. Hitting that stuff, you telling us, us telling you, you telling your friends, that's the way this works. Um, and so, hey, if you, if you like us, uh, point us out to somebody else who uh, you think might like us. That'd be cool. And we appreciate it and thank you for it. We do. Thank you so much for the folks that are spreading the word. We uh, really do appreciate it. And uh, as far as that goes, it sounds like it's a wrap. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night. Good game and all. Gaming and BS produced with the help from the following patrons. Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Steve Day, Jeff Rademacher, Boris DeGary, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Bruce Cunnington, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Misdirected Mark Productions, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Chris Steele, Old School DM, Knights of the Night Crew, Palladian, Jason the Beard Blaylock, Remy Billadeau, Jason Hobbs Hobbs, Mirko Froelich, Wayne Lumrunner Humfleet, James Carpio, Not Caprio, Mark Tasaka, Tony Baker, Not So Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Brett Pazinski, Corey Johnston, Tim Shorts, Eric Tankar, and Brandon Barnes. Consider becoming a patron. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you can support the show for an entire month. Whoa.